0: You're listening to Music Matters with Jason Tram. On this program, we feature interviews with distinguished members of the musical and performing arts community across multiple genres, from classical to contemporary, sacred to secular. We explore the most important issues affecting the arts today. Music Matters brings diverse innovators, ideas, and audiences together to create a broader musical community to inspire new solutions to unprecedented challenges. We're so excited to have Joseph M. Martin with us today. He's a leader in the sacred choral music world, a wonderful composer and a very important music publisher. And we're going to jump into a wonderful conversation with him today. Um, we're a growing community, a podcast community. Make sure you uh, like our videos. Make sure you click the subscribe button and hit that bell for the most up-to-date information on upcoming guests and topics. Thank you very much for joining us today. Before we start our show, I was walking this morning on the beach and just thinking um, about the many performances that that I've personally lost and that our, our industry has uh, suffered so much in this time of COVID. And I'm continually amazed. This show is, uh, in one month of doing these shows, it's really amazed me, the innovation that my colleagues have, um, have been involved in, how these creative people who are in very busy careers, on a dime, changed and shifted their whole direction and focus to making music in a new way, in a new form, and almost overnight. So I just wanted to bring that up because today's guest is an innovator in the music field and uh, someone who does so many things so well and is important to so many people's lives. Welcome Joseph Martin. Invitation. Now, Joe, you have such a dynamic and um, a varied career. Tell us how you started in music. Tell us how you came to be where you are today.
1: Oh, well, uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a very creative household, uh, came to music very early. My mother's quite an accomplished painter, an artist. Uh, her father his artists, and she also was a good pianist. And my my dad, so the uh, um, I guess the origins of living at the intersection of uh, message and music began very early in my life, and, and the, those uh, uh, creative juices and, and matters of faith have always sort of been dancing together. Um, but I grew up in rural North Carolina, uh, a little tiny uh, uh, village there uh, at the foothills of the Appalachians. And so uh, that also kind of is the reason I have this accent. So. <laughs> i always tell people i'm a diphthong ready to happen (laughs) i apologize i grew up in north carolina i live in texas i mean you know i'm doomed for someone who writes so much music
0: that's a great line
1: (laughs) they make fun of me in new york you know when i go and conduct the orchestras in new york and i i I say this is what copeland i am what copeland was writing about you know (laughs) um but really growing up in north carolina um uh, it was it's beautiful uh, and simple uh, way of living, and uh, so mother never let a, a. She's still this way. She's still painting. There was not a day that she didn't dedicate to us being involved in some. Uh, so from the very first, I was interested in that. Later on, my father took a, a, a position, your pastor position in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and then my whole world changed. Lessons. Uh, I remember the gentleman by the name of Jimmy Woodle, who was uh, one of the great influences in my life, was my teacher. He always uh, laughs when he tells the story to this day about my first lesson when I came in and played, you know, completely by ear, completely, you know, the theme from Exodus or something. And he said, well, uh, <laughs> you certainly have mastered the art of playing loud and fast. Uh, <laughs> would you run your scales? At which I said, what is a scale? And he says, and it begins.
0: (laughs) That's wonderful. Uh,
1: But he, uh, about uh, nine months after that first meeting, I was making my symphony debut with the orchestra that he was conducting with the Beethoven first piano concerto. And so he really turned everything up for me. And and later on, of course, I went uh, to Furman University, uh, master's degree in in doctoral work at the University of Texas, all in piano performance. So. I am a piano picker, Uh, never saw myself as a composer, but uh, man plans, and God laughs, and you are.
0: Well, you certainly play the piano quite frequently when you're doing your piano quite for tours, and um, I've always been a huge fan of your piano playing whenever you've sat down in in front of the audiences, and it's just a delight to see you play and to watch you just glow.
1: Well, (laughs) thank you for that. I still enjoy it. Uh, at times, I just sit down and play for my own pleasure, just because it, uh, especially in these days of of being isolated to some degree. I mean, I'm on the road. Uh, Jason, 300 days last year, I was on the road. Uh, every concert, probably 24 concerts, three European tours, Carnegie, two Carnegie events, um, a documentary, conferences after conferences, all canceled. And so I don't know what to do. I'm chasing my wife around the house. You know, every once in a while I catch her. It's crazy. <laughs> we we have a, we have we've been, we're having a, you know as fun a time as you can have in the middle of a national crisis. But uh, uh, it's uh, we're learning to uh, to enjoy this this time together. So yeah, it is different for me, uh, not being on the road uh, and not being out doing. So when I sit down at the piano, I now do it uh, and play for my own pleasure and amusement and of course I'm writing, I'm writing a lot of stuff and keeping myself out of trouble that way.
0: So what do you play when you just sit down and play something for
1: yourself? Well, you know I still um, I haven't played classical music in a while. I started out in, in uh, as a you know a classical pianist uh, but to keep my chops up, I try to uh, you know I play I'm playing through the uh, Chopin waltzes right now and I want to learn the choral fantasy, the Beethoven choral fantasy. It's one of my favorite pieces because it's a piano concerto with choir. And it just kind of, the intersection of my all of my worlds come together in the Beethoven choral fantasy. And plus, it sounds like the ninth it symphony. It certainly so... does.
0: That's the blueprint. I was supposed to do four performances <laughs> this year and they're all canceled.
1: <laughs> oh, I wish I could have heard that. I really still love it to this day. And so... Um, uh, Anyway, I, I piddle around with that and try to keep the fingers in shape for when this thing lifts and we're able to get back out and do what we were born to do. So,
0: has this uh, time has this time been a time of compositional uh, fertile ground for you?
1: Well, you know, I write as a ritual. It's a, it's uh, I feel it's my calling in life. When I finally uh, settled in on uh, you know what I was, what what has been my career at peace with that and uh, uh i so i write every day I, whether i'm on the road or not it's uh i get i, I rise early and as a ritual i compose every day so uh, a little bit out of your sideline here is a uh, piano uh, which is uh top the top of it's just covered with new compositions uh that i've been composing and projects i'm working on uh, people i'm editing because i'm here you know at a at a uh, publishing company, and so we're still moving forward with projects for the future, even if that future is not right around the corner. Uh, we, we're, we want to be prepared uh, as best we can to, to meet the need when that, uh, when that arises.
0: We have our first question from the audience. Uh, Eve from New York City asks, um, how do you find inspiration when you write? How do you, um, how do you plan what pieces you write? How do you uh, find the texts? So give us some background on that.
1: Well, you know, uh, a lot of my texts, that was uh, something that a lot of people didn't want me to do because there's a little bit of a prejudice against composers writing their own texts, and (laughs) for good reason as well. Uh, But I started writing uh, my own text a while back, um, maybe 20 years ago, and I have over a thousand texts, and not all of them do I set, but other composers as well. Uh, And I just, there's songs everywhere. They're just around you and you see something and uh, when I wrote um, one of my most successful pieces song for the unsung hero uh, which is performed a lot on, at national events and such I wrote that after 9-11 I heard a news broadcaster say there's so many unsung heroes who are first responders and I went why are they unsung i write, I write vocal music they you know and then from that moment came the the uh, the chorus of that uh, that song But I look all around and I've written a lot of texts just um, based on how I've, they're kind of the diary of what I'm going through. Uh, I just finished a a, a text here. As a matter of fact, it's called A Prayer for Healing. And it just because I I wanted to say something to the people I interacted with, and I'm setting it to music right now, It's, it's almost finished. But it's, it's just a simple prayer for what we're going through. Uh, can I Please read it? do. Okay, it's called A Prayer for, for Healing. For the healing of the world, Lord, we lift a fragile prayer. Come revealing from the hurt a purpose in our great despair. In the shadows of this time, let us see your great design. For the reason and the rhyme, Lord, we pray to you. For the healing of this wrong, Lord, we whisper in the night. We are listening for your song sing until the morning light. In the silence, help us hear words of hope and promise clear. Teach us not to live in fear. Lord, we reach to you. For the healing of our hearts, Lord, we seek your touch of grace. Let your work of mercy start. Help us find our hiding place. Humbly, Lord, we lift our cry. Wounded sparrows seeking sky. Teach us once again to fly. Lord, we call to you. We reach to you. Lord, we pray to you.
0: Oh, such a beautiful thoughts and a powerful prayer for this time.
1: Well, thanks for asking about that. And, and I, I, J. Paul Williams, the late great J. Paul Williams that I wrote, Three or four hundred pieces together. Uh, Who are the brave? Is his text, uh, which uh, is just an amazing, uh, amazing work. And so, his uh, concept, because he was a choral musician, of how to write a text, not just for the page or for the silent reader, like good poetry, is choral lyric, is a different animal. And he taught me that. He taught me to make sure that, as you are speaking your truth through the words that you also considered the vowels and the, the rises and the falls and the, the way of the, of the mouth and breathing and all of that. And it may be, you know, it's a little bit like swimming with handcuffs on sometimes uh, because you have a limited, uh, uh, some limitations there. Uh, yeah. I, I do also like classic poetry and I love hymnody and, and, uh, and I spent, I just write all the time. Right How many hours time. a
0: day do you spend composing? If you had to just spitball it?
1: oh, I'd say eight hours at least, eight hours a day composing. Yeah, I get up at four o'clock. I get up at four o'clock, and so I've got before the phone before I have to be at my day job, uh, I've already written about four five hours, and then the, after dinner I usually uh, spend that time, uh, you know, in some kind of craftsmanship of what I've done earlier in the day. So yeah, and and that's seven days a week. I, I've never, I have. Literally thousands of, un, you know, unpublished manuscripts around this office and, and, just, and in the garages, file cabinets full.
0: What is your published catalog up to these days, if you had to guess?
1: About, about 2,500 copies of uh, octavos and cantatas and piano materials, primarily. I have a few other specialty items, but uh, those are where I spend most of my, my time. And I write under ten different names, you know. I have to, I have to keep them alive. Uh, so I have ten nom de plumes because they, they told me in the early days, they said you, you, you write too much. You can't, you're going to publish too much. Your name will get saturated, and lose its value, and of course it has. Uh, <laughs> you know, another Martin piece to line your birdcage with. Uh, but truthfully, uh, I, I, the one thing I can't, I can't do is stop writing. It, it would be like, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Even if publishing wasn't in my scenario, I would still write every day because it, it makes me a better person. So, Joe, tell tell us, be how you balance. Um, tell the audience who may not know
0: this: what is your what does your work as a publisher include? Being a an editor of like Shawnee Publishing, what does that include? What is the, what is the purview of your job there?
1: Well, I started about thirty years ago with Shawnee Press uh, as a, in, in marketing. Uh, that's another one of my interests. I, I enjoy uh, the marketing side of things. I really do. Uh, uh, tip. I always think of it this way, Jason. It's a little formula I came up with that I, I try to do because uh, even my job is my calling. It's also my my living, and it's my, my passion. So I always say it's the balance between uh, ministry, artistry, and industry. And so I try to keep my life working together and keep them out of conflict with each other as much as possible. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. It's a challenge to exclusive. It's a challenge. Artistry and industry from not duking it out, you know, in the, in the philosophical arena. Uh, but that is what I do. I try to get those three things uh, moving in synchronization uh, with Shawnee Press and with Hal Leonard. Uh, I'm director of church publications for Hal Leonard and, and Shawnee. And it's to um, curate that historic catalog and and all of their brands, uh, make sure that we're selling old things in new ways, and then producing and creating new materials, discovering new writers. Uh, I have a composer symposium that's launched lots of new uh, voices in uh, church music over the years, um, and then trying to just you know, be uh, a good reflection of the diversity of sacred music right now. We have everything. It's a really a golden time, other than the last six months. Uh, it's been a very golden time to be in church music because you have contemporary uh, materials. You have, uh, you know, classic and neoclassic, and you have, you know, a great body of folk-based music and, and spirituals and hymnody, new hymnody. Oh, I mean, it's just every day it's something uh, exciting and brand new and I, that, I love that. It must be <laughs> very
0: exciting to you as as being such a, a prodigious composer to have, um, to, to find that next generation of church musicians, composers who are going to inspire people in the churches uh, for the next decades.
1: Well, you have one of the best new uh, names on the uh, kids on the block, uh, Brad Nix, a couple of weeks ago. I enjoy it very much uh, uh, listening to him and uh, him sharing about his process. Brad is someone I met at the Composer Symposium, uh, just a brilliant writer, uh, waiting to be launched in a great great way, Uh, very proud of Brad and his accomplishments and others. There there are dozens uh, of fine new writers that I am learning from and, and just standing in amazement about what the future is going to be for uh, church music. It's going to be filled with innovation and inspiration, uh, and I'm absolutely confident the best days are ahead for us as uh, we navigate these unusual waters right now. It may seem very uh, turbulent and, and we're tempest-tossed, if you will, but I assure you that uh, you know once the, the curtain lifts on this uh, troubled time, there's going to be such a A rebirth of creativity and performances and audiences just uh, wanting to express how this whole thing has impacted their lives. And, uh, you know, I I guess uh, it's, it's a hard truth about art, but sometimes the greatest art comes from these times of sorrow. And, and uh, the shadow times. We
0: had, we we had a show we had a show doesn't... a couple of weeks ago where we had a Holocaust survivor and we had a musicologist and we talked about music after the plagues in the 1400s and 1300s and we talked about music after the holocaust how the Holocaust the music kept people human and just putting things in historical perspective really was profoundly impactful to me to see how um, humanity rebounds after these like worldwide catastrophes and how the music is such an integral and art is such an integral part of the healing. Process.
1: Uh, one of the when we we're at the composer, a lot of these, lot of these young, young uh, writers come in, you know, interested in publication. But we uh, we allow for every part of the journey to be there. I want somebody who's written their first text, their first poem, their first uh, song. I want them to be there side by side with somebody who's got a hundred pieces in print. You know that that that's what gets me going. And the, I think one of the most touching moments in all of the twenty years I've been doing that symposium was an older gentleman. I he, I would say he's mid that late 70s who came to the conference with a song and it was a sweet song and uh, it obviously had notational issues. He didn't quite know how to capture it uh, uh, and he had done the best he could. He created kind of a lead sheet and a little piano part uh, and uh, he got up to present because we do a master class and in my heart I was going, okay, I hope he, you know, but Now, my, my, we are always positive and always respectful. So I knew everybody would be, would be gentle and find good things to say and good things for him to work on, a good balance of that. But we he got up, he said, I, I, I have to sing this song because I know I haven't got it right. I was hoping that when I came here, you all would teach me how to capture this uh, on paper. And uh, we all shook our heads. He said, but I, I want to sing it for you, and then you can help me. I wrote this song for my wife. She passed away last year. And it was a song that I wrote her when we were dating. And I've always, I, I, she made me promise that I would write it out. And he sang this song, Jesus. <laughs> and if I ever, if I live to be a thousand, I'll never write a better song than he wrote. And it had nothing to do with the technical aspects of it, or even the the simple poetry, uh, you know, but it transcended analysis. And everybody in that room was You know, I told him, you should get paid by the tear because it was that so moving. Music can help us heal ourselves. It can help us reach out to others with a message of hope, of thanksgiving, of victory, uh, all of the great uh, experiences of our life. Music is the, uh, you know, the exclamation point of it all, in my opinion. Uh, So I'm anxious to make it through this time uh, with safety and caution but also to to be around to experience the crescendo that's going to come. Uh, well, we all have wounded hallelujahs right now. And once those wounded hallelujahs are set free, my friend, can you imagine what that's going to be like?
0: <laughs> we have a question from a Dennis from Ohio who asks, um, how, what are your recommendations for a young composer with ambitions to write for the church?
1: Come to my symposium.
0: <laughs> How do we find information about that?
1: It's uh, called, the. We, we have a Facebook page. It's called the Composer Symposium and just request membership and we'll make sure you get in there. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, uh, study, my, my first thing and my lesson number one with any uh, of the symposium folk is to study the catalogs that you most, most feel be a good match with your styles, your Uh, beliefs, the things that you want to say musically and spiritually, find uh, companions. Who are you you, uh, using in your own worship um, moments and uh, your church? Uh, Where do you see you fitting into that? And study those styles just like you would study a Beethoven score. I mean, with seriousness and find out uh, there are, you know, theorems, there's pedagogy, there, there, everything that's present in uh, what you would expect of a great work of art from yesteryear, those are present in, in good sacred music now, and um, that's the kind of preparatory work you can do as you write. Um, I also like to say, uh, study the church here, because a lot of a publishing cycle is based on electionary concerns and, and needs of the church, because we are an industry. We have to meet needs. Uh, It's not enough that I pour my pain into my pen onto a page. I have to write it in such a way that other people's pain can connect with that and find healing and hope and and peace. Uh, So uh, I try to um, balance them and remind them that uh, we write uh, from ministry and artistry. Those two things, you have to have them both. Uh, and sometimes that means bending a little bit this way or bending a little bit that way. Uh, now when we craft art music or uh, classical forms, more artful things like that, and we write for the concert hall, wow, we don't have, you know, we have our own other set of parameters that we have to fit into, you know, based on uh, whatever the setting is. Uh, so prepare yourself that way, uh, before you start submitting and, uh, I'm glad to help you any way I can if you can just send me a message and I'll uh, walk you through the protocols of, of uh, you know, presenting your music to publishers and things like that. And there's some great publishers around the country, not just ours. Uh, we have an independent editorial board that makes their selections. But uh, there's a great time, right? now. Now's the time to become a better composer, not to become a more published composer, because a lot of the houses are in a holding pattern. Until uh, the need for music returns uh, in many areas, you know, Jason, in California, it's a kind of a law. You can't sing right now. Now that is OK. okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you, I don't want to get political at all. But if four months ago, if I told you that marijuana would be essential and singing would be illegal, you would tell me I was crazy. But that's the case. You well, know?
0: we certainly—you um, came to Ocean Grove uh, twice now, and uh, you've seen our choir festival. We We've This our sixty-sixth annual this year. If you would have told me that—if um, you tell me singing is dangerous—if we have a thousand singers on the stage and four thousand in the audience, that would be a weapon of mass destruction by today's standards.
1: <laughs> it, it surely would be. I mean, that surely, that's surely—at least what we've been uh, been told—and and you know, uh, I, I smarter people have made those analyses and. And you're right, uh, you know, a place dedicated to wellness, spiritual wellness. Let me tell you, Jason, the one thing that you did for me is invite me there. I don't know how many are out there, but when they started singing, uh, holy, 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 and great is thy faithfulness that evening, I sat there and it hit, it parted my hair. I am telling you, I, I just could, could not not. I can't describe it. To this day, I can't describe it. And then, of course, there's 800, 900 boys choir. And uh, there's a great picture that somebody captured. I use it in my website where I I think we were doing my piece called Our God is God. And the last statement is Our God is God. And the the picture is me.
0: You know. It's a great picture.
1: That's <laughs> a great picture. Oh, my I word. I was
0: standing up on the platform like watching it. you just light up that audience and light up that choir. It's, Joe, your energy is just so contagious and um, it's such a blessing to have met you there. And uh, thank you to uh, Reverend Ronald Cabimas for putting us in touch because it was certainly in enlev- live. It's certainly given me so much pleasure to get to know you and to experience your art firsthand.
1: Well, you guys are awesome, and you're doing a great work up there. So many people are touched by the ministry of that that, that special place. Thank you for being a caretaker and a keeper of the song, because that's important. And I, I can't wait until I talk, I've been bragging on it all year for Brad, because I knew Brad was going to be there. I said, Brad, wait until you hear the the hymn sing. Wait until you hear the organ and that choir sing your piece. I said you're going to come back, and you're just going to have you know you're going to be glowing. And then we. <laughs> Oh, I think got canceled all. Of it. So but was, Brad, oh, Brad, and I, I talked bad. about this
0: on the show, and uh, I, I talked to Brad. And Brad's gonna. This is the first time in our 151-year tradition at Ocean Grove. We're gonna have a virtual choir festival this year with five anthems. One of them being the premiere of his piece. So he's gonna conduct right. on it, and we're gonna have. He's gonna be involved in the in the recording of it, and um, we're delighted that he's gonna be interested to do that. And God moves in mysterious ways these times. He certainly
1: does, and you know, we'll we'll get through this. And, and, you know, you always bring in such interesting people for that uh, conference. I've met Mark Miller and other other great conductors who come at professors and, and things. And they're so approachable and wonderful to work with. They have uh, that that balance. That's what I like about that place uh, and what you've done there. It's fantastic.
0: It's, it's, to, it's been a, a blessing in my career, my 14th season. This year has been a unique set of challenges, but... But um, you know the the, the tradition of him at Ocean Grove goes back a long time with Fanny Crosby being in our congregation and and
1: I know that's that just blew me away too. I mean that whole tradition and you all finding those uh, those hidden uh, texts that have been in a time capsule or something. I mean this place has got so many uh, treasured things that uh, you get to. Uh, to work with what a what a blessing. And the Indeed. most
0: one of the most special things for me is getting to meet colleagues and getting to bring colleagues to the uh, the 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 community that I have here. And uh, between uh, Brad Nix and yourself, and introducing me to Kevin Boziger, just great people with a heart yeah, for Jesus. Yeah.
1: just a fantastic man of faith and uh, do, doing great work. And I've been in in uh, in his church a couple of times. We've done things uh, in Omaha at his new uh, ministry post there, uh, a fabulous uh, musician, and, and like you say, just a great church musician.
0: Have you been involved in any of the virtual choir things going on?
1: You know, I've been privileged to have people um, uh, do virtual versions of a, a variety of my pieces. I'm right now working on one. You know, I have a program that I typically take uh, choirs and individuals who we kind of throw together a rag-tag, a ragtag choir and take them to Europe. And we sing in the cathedrals and we learn about, uh, you know, the music history and the sacred history of the different areas. It's called Journeys with Joe. And, and I've been doing that for a decade. Well, this year, three of our tours got canceled. I was going with Victor Johnson, great composer. Uh, we were going to Italy, uh, northern Italy, uh, canceled. We were going to tw- twice to Germany to see the Passion Play, Switzerland. Uh, uh, Concordia University where I'm uh, artist in residence here in Austin. Uh, you need to get to know this guy. He is a, m- just a tremendous organist and great conductor, <laughs> wonderful, uh, uh, just a sacred musician. Anyway, we were going to take the group over there. All got canceled. And, um, where were we going with this? I forgot completely. Forgot what I was talking. I could talk about Europe. I just completely. Uh, well, we're
0: all in that boat. I know. I, I was supposed to be in Vienna to do an orchestra concert, my debut, and Prague in June. Both. I saw that. And um, a tour in Scotland and uh, England. But you know, life is what it is, and we uh, we adjust and we recalibrate and we come forward. Tell us about the show that you started. And you got a show tonight, actually.
1: Oh yeah! After this, I. I you know, I, I, I get my makeup touched up and, uh, you know, run a cone through my hair, put it, slap on a little rouge. And I do a show called Worship Songs Live. And I do mine on Zoom. So people sign up for it. We've been eh, we've been averaging uh, 200, 300 people uh, signing up each week. And I bring in, like you're doing here, I bring in uh, composers and we talk and play a little music and we, uh, ask them how they've been doing. I, I have a cat it has its own episode Uh, every week his name is Smokey uh, her name is Smokey Smokey the Coral Cat and she has this penchant for going and sitting on a piece of music you know she'll find one piece of music so I pick that out and we play that it's a a lot of fun we laugh more than we cry on the show but uh, uh, it's just to keep people's spirit keep them connected and uh, you know I'm missing them
0: we couldn't tell that (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well the idea of just sitting in a you know i like to get out in the middle of it all i remember you know uh, when my kids were young they would just climb on top of me and i'd be awakening you know just, it's 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 but that's what that's my process i love chaos brad he likes he gets into his office his inner sanctum you know or he's, he's there but for me the the chaos is what i feed off of and um Anyway, it's um, it's it's been a quite a quite a quite a challenge. We have so many so many things that have, have changed with that. But I, I do like uh, do like a lot of activity, and I'm missing the people going out at the conferences. I do 20, 25 conferences a year. I've, I own twelve of them because I didn't have enough of them that other people own. So I just started twelve more to keep me busy, and just to see some of. them I have personal history's with now 30 years being old is cool sometimes you you have a 30 years of a relationship with this fellow musician and you see him once a year but it's like a homecoming you know I'm sure it's that way with you at at, at at the Tabernacle, you know. So yeah,
0: it's a things uh, the, the, the treasured relationship with our colleagues and the people we serve. That's one of the big problems these days is maintaining our sense of community with our with our people. And um, that's one thing I can say. I'm glad I'm doing virtual projects. I'm glad I'm to get to see people. And I have a Zoom rehearsal with my choir to work on choir festival music tonight. I have sixty to seventy people on there to get together, and we Zoom. Wow. <laughs>
1: Well, don't you think that after all this is over, the the, uh, virtual uh, tools that we have developed during this time out of necessity will become uh, an extension of what we're able to do through uh, teaching. And uh, I mean, I've already thought about this uh, and it it occurred to me, you know, people do my I've done 60 cantatas and each year I, I put out an Easter cantata, Christmas cantata typically. And I thought, why is it that when we sell a book that that's it? My no- but I'm alive. They're alive. They're putting music together. So if somebody wants to do my cantata this year, I, I, if, until I can't do it, I'm going to meet with that choir virtually, and we're going to walk through that cantata. I don't care if they're in uh, Korea, wherever they are. I'm, I, I just love seeing people, that light bulb go off, and that look in their faces. They're singing. Virtual choir is not real choir. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't pretend that it is. It's a different thing, though. It's a, an amalgamation of film of uh, this new digital media and and music, it, something
0: might emerge from this. Well, there are elements that are that very new. pedagogically sound. That when people have to listen to themselves, they have to really focus on their intervals. They hear every imperfection. You're recording with your phone. It's not a high quality. You know, it's not a high uh, recording device. It's not a uh, high fidelity high fidelity recording device. But it's it's really forces you to work on your as a soloist. You become a soloist. And we miss the the, the 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 public part, the the human part, the uh, the ensemble part of what makes. Music so special, but but it is something in the meantime that's safe and healthy, and we can stay. You know, we can stay and.
1: It's what we have, and, and, and I look at it as an opportunity rather than a you know a replacement for anything. Uh, I, I remembered what I was going to say. Now you were asking me about virtual choirs. I'm doing a reunion virtual choir uh, from my Journeys with Joe. Uh, okay. So people, I'm going to announce it here in a couple of days, and people will sign up. He's a song a song week called the Journey that I wrote a number of years ago. And that's a song we sing every tour. And and so it'll be a reunion. And we're going to John Parker, uh, a great composer, lyricist, who's uh, president of easychoirmusic.com, easychoirmusic.com. He is doing a virtual choir assembly uh, through that that ministry there and that uh, business. Um, And so he is going to put together this reunion virtual choir and mix in pictures through the years of us singing well at Christ Church or at Dublin Cathedral or at St. At, uh, Peter's in, in uh, Vatican City and you know sung everywhere and won't that be a special thing for people to have that as a keepsake and, and also a li- kind of getting us all back together in one room which would be impossible. Some people won't be you know they're, they're, they've aged in 10 years and won't be able to travel but they can be part of this. So that's a special, I I guess, uh, new way that technology is actually meeting need. I can say one thing, uh, we did our first, uh, the first time when
0: I first announced this, that we're gonna do this this summer, I had already done two virtual, uh, two virtual choirs with one of my choral societies, another with a third choral society, and one with my university before everything went this direction at Ocean Grove. And the first one, I wasn't sure how many submissions we're gonna get, or who was gonna wanna do this. I just put it out there, and we had about 60 something uh, submissions. Two were from India, one was from Australia, I don't even know how they found out about it, but people, you know, want to sing in their home and they want to make music. And if this gives people a chance to come together and, and praise Jesus, then we're going to do it.
1: Amen. Amen. I, I totally agree. And uh, who knows what we'll learn. You know what? I, I, I'm chasing rabbits around the room with you today. But uh, I, the first time I had to virtual work after this thing happened, uh, my brother is a pastor. Uh, in North Carolina, and I, I am a member of his church virtually anyway, but things were different when they were not actually present with the congregation. I was sitting at my kitchen table, and the hymn started, and I just naturally started singing with the hymn, and now I don't have a great voice at all, but Jason, it ran all over me that I was singing, just me and uh, Jesus, and my, my brother, the pastor, which I, I, you know, that was special too. And this unusual, you know, here, my little uh, pad, uh, the your iPad was there. And I, I, I don't know. I just got the the strangest and most wonderful feeling of nobody's watching me. I'm not, not on stage because, you know, me and you, we're always in charge of the worship. We're always in charge of the concert. And just to be quiet by myself, singing my, you know, my praise at that moment. And it just was really re- relevatory, rele- uh, spiritually revelatory rele- rele- to me, um, there and it was it was an unexpected blessing
0: i had something very uh, to similar very similar to that. i was i was watching we, our first two perform our first two services here were, were remote and the first time i've sat and watching a videotape of my worship service that i submitted a virtual choir my quartet did virtual hymns and we edited them for 15 hours and pre and post and sitting there watching i was singing along with with blessed assurance and i started crying because mm-hmm. I just missed it so much, and just to connect with the words in my house and my pajamas on a Sunday morning was was an out-of-body experience, so I, I feel you.
1: I think it was a reminder that uh, I actually really, really do believe what I write, that those truths that are my job and my everyday enterprise, when you take away all of it except for the, the that foundational truth, Oh, I do believe this is, this is real to me. This is a moment that's just me, my Lord, and this worship through music that is a lavish gift, unspeakably lavish gift to people of faith. And so I, I think that was just a great affirmation for me that if, if it all ended tomorrow and I wasn't able to stand in front of a, a, a thousand people again and it was just me and the Lord, I'd be okay. I'd still have a song. I'd still have a song. It's just, it's, it's, this time is teaching us. It's teaching us.
0: Well, you're, that comes through in every note that you write and every anthem that you write. Um, whether, whenever I hear your music sung by a small church choir or sung by a university choir, they always, it never it's always inspired. And that comes through in everything. And to hear you say those words is very powerful indeed.
1: Thank you, thank you very much. Um, that's very nice.
0: So, Joe, what what advice uh, what what do you what do you see happening in the music field in the next couple of months? What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, if I answer that, I would I, I'd ask for a raise. I I I think it's what we will make of it. Uh, I see that there is no predictability. It could end uh, very quickly. Uh, you know, things could could become better and. It'll take a little recovery time. I mean, I'm praying for Christmas music. I am totally play, praying for Christmas. I can't imagine a Christmas without music. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, uh, you know, I think that we will, will use this time in a, in a way that will expand our, our, our understanding like we've been expressing here. Uh, I think uh, publishing companies like mine will begin to, uh, to really understand the potential of digital publications and di- uh, digital outreach. We're uh, right now in the middle of trying to uh, kind of create digital catalogs and search engines and things that will help people when this time ends uh, that we haven't reached out that way. It's been, you know, traditional mail. I used to tell people the only people making making money in the music business is, uh, you know, UPS because we it's like the Victoria Secret catalog used to be. You know <laughs> We mail things, and uh, uh, but now digital allows us to speak uh, further and uh, and assist people in a more dramatic way. As I said before, I'm trying to understand how I can be a better assistant to music directors everywhere. I right now I'm on the road 300 days a year, and I speak to you know 50 choirs in one night tonight. I could be speaking to you know. Countless. There's no limit to how many uh, directors I could speak to and uh, programs I could um, try to help. You know, or they could bless me. (laughs) That's the whole thing. It's a, uh, it's an amazing uh, potential. And I think the next six months are going to be pivotal for publishers, for church ministries. I talked to my brother about this, and he said, you know, uh, we'll always now have a virtual component to our worship, even when we return to live worship, um, we're gonna give quality time to developing this outreach. It's it's so evident, and I think the publishers will reflect that as well. Programs like well, this. Well, thank
0: you so much for joining us. Um, it's a pr- been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to have you here today and continue blessings on your work and your writing and everything you do. And uh, let's not be strangers. I hope we see each other in person before long.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's Uh, I'm grateful for the work you're doing and for the outreach you're doing through this program and all of your other work. And um, I just uh, say to our fellow musicians out there to uh, to keep the faith. You're a keeper of the song for just keep your people positive and uh, keep the song alive because this will the storm will soon be over and we will return to uh, to the work that we've been called to do and. So thank you very, very much for allowing me to connect in this this way, and uh, uh, I hope we get a chance to do it again sometime. That would be wonderful.
0: Thank you, Joe, and you have a great uh, great show tonight and look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Happy scales to you.
0: Thank you for joining us for Music Matters 2020. We are unique in the growing music podcast community and we need more members, more people like yourself. So please pass, spread the word to friends and colleagues. And um, if you have an idea for an upcoming show or if you'd like to get involved, you can uh, find us on Facebook and like us on Facebook. You like our videos, click to subscribe to our show and hit that bell for the most up-to-date information on upcoming topics. Uh, for a complete list of upcoming shows or um, a library of past shows, you can go on my website at jasontram.net. Again, jasontram.net. And um, if you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we have a Patreon page, and everyone gets a T-shirt that says Music Matters, and um, that would be on patreon.com slash mm2020. And thank you so much for joining us, and remember, keep music alive. Good night.